Welcome to your Active Stack Brief podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your technology editor. This week, we take a closer look at the ongoing negotiations on the Data Act. For an overview on all things technology in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is your Active Stack Brief podcast. Today I'm joined by Damian Boselager, uh, MEP uh, for Volt, and you represent the uh, Green and EFA group uh, in the negotiations uh, on the Data Act. Hi, Damian. Hi, thanks a lot for the invitation. <laughs> so it's great to have you here. Uh, um, so I think there is a lot of people that is wondering about how the negotiations are going. Uh, we're obviously at trilogue stage, which is, you know, the least transparent of all. Um, so what can you tell us about the progress you have made so far? Um, yeah, I mean, as you said, like the trilogues have their own uh, special character. And this is also really new for me when I started Parliament um, here in, in 2019 to understand that, you know, like there are certain processes which are more difficult to to sh share publicly what's going on. But I can definitely, I mean, from what you can also see from Parliament's position and Council positions and the Commission original proposal, tell you that like the, the core of the conversations are about the B2G, so you know how much can governments ask for from the companies in uh, situations of emergency um, to, to get data, um, and also about the B2B part, which is really about, you know, for connected products, uh, who gets the access to the data and who can share it? Um, is it the manufacturer? Is it the owner of the product? Or is it the operator of the product? I hope these are like the big questions that we are asking ourselves. For me, it's super exciting. Uh, I mean, you mentioned that I'm from the party world uh, because obviously we're an innovation-friendly party um, and to be able to be part of such a market design regulation that can really shape the digital economy and the data economy and therefore every innovation that follows from the access to more data um, is super interesting. Right. Um, so perhaps let's go a bit more um, into the details. Uh, so you had uh, Trilog uh, last week uh, that touched upon the, the B2G uh, chapter five, if I remember by heart. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so I, I understand there are uh, more or less four open points. Uh, perhaps the most important one is whether you allow personal data uh, to be shared with uh, public authorities. Uh, so I understand there might be a compromise there because the parliament doesn't want personal data. The, the council wants to include personal data. I understand a potential compromise could be to have uh, personal data allowed only for public emergencies. Is that something... How realistic is this compromise? Is that something that the, the parliament could accept? So this is a very complex discussion yeah, because you have to understand that for us as parliament, GDPR is a very, very important milestone, a fundamental right to your own data that we have basically enshrined in the last mandate. So like, that's super important for us and everything undermining that we are not in favor yeah? because obviously we believe that you know if you compare Europe to the US or China and this is a um, crucial achievement that it's neither the companies that own your data nor the state but it's actually your own 
data that you have control over. So this is something that, that's important for us. Um, but now you obviously constantly have this uh, example brought up of the pandemic. Like what it happens if you need uh, you know, information about individual uh, data, like, or like individual people in, in mass uh, to be able to, for example, fight the pandemic. And this is then exactly the situation of emergency and then sharing um, uh, personal data. So I think one thing to consider would always be, um, is this really necessary? If we in Parliament believe no, then there's the question of like, if it, you know, if you would move on this, would you maybe then say it has to definitely be anonymized uh, data? Um, maybe that, that could be a direction to go. I think what's absolutely clear for us is that we would never accept um, Person data to be shared in situations of non-emergency. Yeah, like uh, this needs to be, you know, the, the right to safety and security, in effect, needs to be valued higher than the right to, uh, you know, person data protection uh, or privacy. So this is something that is a very difficult um, uh, weighing of, of uh, if you want, fundamental priorities of for society. Um, and I think it's clear that in a non emergency situation this would not be acceptable yeah so um there are also some other points open on uh, to what extent this chapter also applies to eu bodies uh this uh, exception for small and micro enterprises uh where are you with these uh, open issues I mean, as I said, I can't really tell you um, how the negotiations are going, um, as you as you know. Um, but uh, I think it's clear that you know, in Parliament, we basically said all EU institutions and uh, bodies should have the the power to basically ask for this data in emergency situations to fulfill their mandate. Um, so this is not random, and it also needs to make. Uh, there's a lot of conditions that we put. That you can't get the data other ways and so on like uh, i mean for parliament this is really like also a moment of last resort in an emergency not a regular situation where you constantly ask for something and um, yeah i think the council somehow feels that you bodies uh, shouldn't uh, or institutions shouldn't get that i think it uh, it's clear that in both cases you need to argue why you believe that this is necessary for example does Parliament really have a situation where we, in an emergency situation, need to ask uh, for information from companies? Maybe actually that's more unlikely because we do not do data analysis ourselves apart from our research service. Mm -hmm. um, so to fulfill our mandate, mm -hmm. it is you know we would always rely on institutions, uh, universities, and so on to provide us with information because we're not the executive. We don't you know we wouldn't apply. Um, we wouldn't define where. Uh, vaccination stations would uh, be located and stuff like this, if, if that makes sense. And we can always ask the executive for information um, on on certain elements. So I think, you know, whereas maybe the commission would have a more important role to play in an emergency uh, when it comes to data requests from uh, private sector entities, maybe for parliament council, this is not such a key role. So I think what's important is to always look at the merit of uh, the argument and mm -hmm. to really understand we are writing this law, especially the B2G parts of the chapter five, for emergency situations to be able to react better and save our safeguard our yeah uh, wellness, our well-being, our um, our human lives in, in certain instances. Um, let's move on to uh, the other 
uh, core part of the Data Act, which is Chapter 2 on business to business and business to customer um, data sharing. So the, the parliament position is, uh, the parliament has changed quite significantly this part and uh, there is even an intention to basically create uh, uh, different markets uh, and um, I just want to understand uh, because I, I, I understand you're still at the um, phase where you're explaining each other's positions mm -hmm. how open do you see the council into taking on board um, the, the parliament's proposals and, and what is the status of the discussion on that? Yeah, I actually I, like the more I, I read it, I, I don't think our change is so fundamental yeah? um, so Basically, what was the Commission's intention? The Commission wanted to ensure that of the only 5% uh, industrial data that's currently being shared and used, uh, we go up to 95%. Yeah, I mean, that's why Breton said like, this law is so fundamental for the data markets. And so, and, and so they, we agree fully with this intention. Um, and so the Commission basically proposed this law very much thinking that you know the data holder already has a lot of the data and we would like to create additional access for the owner of uh, such products and this is basically an intention we share um, but then we after talking to uh, you know multiple stakeholders we also understood that it's not true that in all cases the data holder already has the data or it's also not true that the manufacturer is always the data holder and so what we basically try to do is we uh, differentiate it between the sales contract of a product, of a connected product, and the, um, let's say, operation of that connected product over time. So like you get basically the hardware and then you do, uh, which is a sales contract, and then you do some form of a, you know, ongoing relationship with someone who helps your uh, factory arm to turn left and right, uh, mm -hmm. depending on what pieces come in. Uh, connected to the internet so that they're basically, you know, some algorithms running on it uh, on a server remote or whatever to make um, to make them um, move in the right direction. And so this is an operation of the connected device over time. And so the first change that we really push forward is, is this change. And I think in the um, exchanges, obviously, again, I cannot share details, but um, I, I always feel that in these digital laws, there is more openness to to think about the right solution because this is a, you know um, a complex uh, topic like how do you regulate in a non-intrusive but a market as you said market designing way and um, the fact that we have more data sharing without infringing on anyone's you know prerogatives um, or at least it has to be balanced in a certain way and so this is where um, we are really trying to set principles out there and the exchanges uh, I think quite quite positive so far. Yeah, and I understand um, trade secrets is a competence of the URI uh, committee in this yeah. very complex partition or, uh, in the parliament on the data act. But um, of course, the, 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 trade uh, the trade secret issue is uh, central as well for, for uh, chapter two and all these data sharing provisions. So I understand the, the position of, of the council is very far apart from that of the parliament. There seems to be some openness from the commission to consider, you know, some sort of protection mechanism. Um, so uh, what is a potential landing zone uh, for what seems to be the most controversial point in this whole file. The funny thing is also here, 
um, I think very far apart is really not true yeah? because there's one thing that we all agree on, um, maybe two things. Yeah, First of all, IP rights need to be safeguarded to 100% and that's just something that we all agree on. So, and, and the second thing is we also agree that trade secrets need to be safeguarded. Yeah? And then obviously you have to have a discussion about how and you know how do you do that in the, in the best possible way. So trade secrets, um, if you look at the trade secret directive, they um, can be unilaterally declared by a company saying like, look, here's something that I consider a trade secret. It has to fulfill some conditions like, uh, you know, it cannot be publicly known uh, or general, it cannot be general knowledge and stuff like this, but still it's unilaterally declared. So um, if we basically say, look, we create a new right of uh, accessing data out of my product and I need to get this from a data holder, and they say, yeah, but sorry, you can't get any of the data because it's all trade secret protected. Then it's very difficult uh, to verify this because it's not registered in a you know, third party authority. It's just a declaration, unilateral declaration. So what, what we are saying is um, the, the data should be shared. Like basically, if I own a product, the data that leaves my product mm -hmm. should be uh, accessible to me, and that's the whole intention of the commission proposal as well. Um, but I have to make sure that I do not disclose uh, trade secrets. Yeah? Um, so basically what we're saying is you share the data, um, you don't stop the data flow, but you have to, uh, together with the trade secret holder, doesn't always have to be the data holder, and make sure that there's a, a certain um, yeah, protection of the trade secret. Um, and I think there we are actually the discussions, you know, will be very much in detail is like what happens if mm. the trade secret holder believes that the user doesn't actually, you know, safeguard the trade secrets, can they then stop the data flow and so on. And here we also rely back on the trade secret directive, which actually also says what happens if you unlawfully disclose uh, trade secrets. So um, in the end, there is a lot already there when it comes to trade mm. secrets from the trade secret protection or the trade secret directive, um, it is also clear that um, we are all for uh, trade secret protection. The question is just, does this impede data flows and when uh, in the process of uh, violating that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, let me just challenge you a bit on that. I understand the intention is similar, um, but the results might be quite uh, significantly apart according to the different positions. So the, the the council is basically saying that the trade secret holder should have a right to veto the data sharing. And the parliament is saying, well, if we do that, basically you kill the data. Uh, but how do you, I mean, you touched upon this already, but how do you in practice uh, enforce trade secret protections once the data is out there? Uh, how do you know that the company is respecting what the receiver is respecting those trade secrets? And is it then up to, you know, uh, the trade secret holder to to do private enforcement and how can they do that? That means that only you know large companies will be able to 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 do it. And so yeah. yeah. So this is I mean here you come to exactly the, the question of balance. And so um, the, the counter question would be if trade secrets um, or data that is related to trade secrets doesn't have to be shared with the owner of the product, so which basically would mean that I own a product. Um, and I make a contract and data leaves 
my property uh, to someone else and they don't have to give anything back, like necessarily give anything back if they say all the data is connected to a trade secrets. This could constitute a situation where you basically, you know, the, the data act becomes an empty law or even, uh, as I called it in one speech, a, a data suppression act, because you're basically saying, look, uh, you know, data can flow out and I as a manufacturer don't have to have, give anything. No? So this is a this is the other extreme. And so um, I think what, what we care about is that data flows and then we say, okay, like if there is violations of tra trade secrets, we have uh, enforcement. And this is where your question then comes in. Um, what we as Parliament propose is that we have a, a role of someone called a data coordinator that basically says when the, the two parties are defining what would be su uh, sufficient trade secret protection that comes like and they come to an agreement, then data just flows. If they don't come to an agreement, that they would come in and basically help the mediation so that you have like not directly the question of, as you said, like going to the courts. But I mean, these processes uh, we're looking at very much in detail, trying to marry on the one side the, the fear that like, you know, trade secrets will just be disclosed and then, you know, you will have to run for five years into court to even uh, like see some of the value and to, to, to take the product off the market. And, and on the other side, like not having data disclosed at all. So uh, we have um, put some additional safeguards in that, for example, you can ask the product to be taken off the market if some like a new product or service has been developed based on um, trade secrets that were disclosed unlawfully. And so we have from the European market, what if it's launched on the Chinese market, for example? I mean, we cannot regulate the Chinese market. That's, that's absolutely clear. But I think what's also clear is that what we're regulating here also in terms of rights is also limited to the European market. So we are basically trying to ensure that, um, you know, the, the entities that are act, like that can benefit from the data act are also European. Um, I know this is again with another committee, the INCO committee. Can you tell us anything on how things are progressing on the cloud uh, aspect? On the cloud switching, um, I, I really can't uh, tell you too much. I think what was always important for me, but as you said, I'm not negotiating it, is that um, you really have a chance to terminate uh, contracts if you want to. Because you know, if we have locked in contracts for 10, 15, 20 years, and obviously cloud switching is, uh, is not a possibility, but where this exactly stands, I have to say, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I suspected that was the answer, but I had to ask anyway. Um, so uh, let's move to the less controversial points. Uh, you have endorsed some, uh, some aspects that were less political, perhaps more technical, these uh, unfair contractual terms. Uh, where uh, this ban on unfair com contractual terms was extended to all companies. Then you had this aspect of compensation. So uh, wh what other points uh, have you agreed upon already? As I said, I can't really <laughs> share what's, uh, what's going on. But I mean, the, the points that you mentioned, I think are important. There's obviously also the question of smart contracts and how mm. we regulate that. These are all discussions that are ongoing, as you know. Uh, I hate the sentence by now, but nothing is agreed. <laughs> everything is agreed. And it's like one of these, uh, I don't know, uh, overused terms in, uh, mm -hmm. in, in the Brussels bubble. But um, yeah, I mean, I think these are all interesting elements. There's also international transfers. And like, I mean, I, I believe uh, yeah, we are making good progress. 
Yeah. Uh, so let me just recap. Um, we are in June now, and the most advanced chapter is on B2G, but it has not been closed yet. You have started to scratch the surface on, on the chapter about B2G and B2C. So are you still confident you can close this by the end of the Swedish presidency, meaning this month? I think it's uh, definitely possible. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, everything is possible. <laughs> um, I don't mind hard work. You know, like it is uh, finding um, good uh, solutions in the text. And um, when you put the work in, I think it's possible. Always. Yeah. Um, and uh, I see a very dedicated team. Um, also from the Swedish side, I, I mean, the negotiations are tough, um, but you know, moving forward. So mm. I have seen much worse in terms of stagnating, uh, you know, uh, negotiations. That's not at all the case here. So we're moving. Um, but as I said, like the issues are complex. You have mentioned some of them, um, but they also, you know, there is also possibilities to find balanced uh, compromises in the end. Right. So uh, one last question, just to uh, end up in a more positive note, um, because I remember your work on the Data Governance Act, of course. Um, I, I, I was just wondering if you could wrap up this, how these two pieces of legislation will match together and, you know, why uh, the average SME or businessman or even even a consumer uh, should be concerned about what's going on and how this will impact them directly. So this is why I'm super excited about these two laws because they actually fit together very, very well. The overarching goal for my office has always been to ensure that we have liquid data markets so that we can have new products and new services being developed based on completely different data putting together. But to be um, to, to get there, what we regulated in the Data Governance Act is that we can trust the marketplaces themselves, that they don't use this data to build competition to basically the data that you share, you know, like the people that share the data. So this we did in the Data Governance Act and we uncoupled it from the data storage market by having unbundling provisions and commercial separation in there, which basically ensures that we really have trusted marketplaces. And now in the Data Act, we basically clarify very simply, hopefully, that's my hope, and for everyone to understand what kind of data they can share on these data markets. And once we have these two elements in place, I really hope that we have a really strong European data economy with a lot of innovation, with a lot of you know new ideas being out there. I mean, cool young startup uh, kids going to the investors saying, Give me five million euros. I, I'll spend three million on buying data on the data market and two million to buy my to build my algorithm and come up with new ideas where where nobody ever thought about them. And this is really my hope and my what I see as the future. I think um, all companies should once this data act actually is uh, finished and um, sit down with their strategy team, not only their compliance team, but actually their you know strategy team and see how can we actually look at the connected devices that we own to create additional revenue schemes. I think governments should sit down and say like, amazing, where do we now see more decentralized revenue for data? So we would make the value of data actually visible um, by the fact that people can share them now and, and get uh, basically cash back for, for data flows. 
always non-person data after things. <laughs> um, I think that that's amazing. So I see a, a bright new future if you want. Thank you. Damian Boselager, Volt MEP and Shadow Rapporteur for the Data Act and good luck with the negotiation. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy developments in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Evie Curie. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening.